The BS Report is a free-flowing conversation that occasionally touches on mature subjects. The BS Report. The BS Report with Bill Simmons. South by Southwest here with Baron Davis. L.A.'s finest. Boston's finest. Uh, one of one of semi-finest. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were just talking before we started. You hurt your knee. Mm-hmm. One of the worst NBA knee injuries I can remember. It was like... Ugh, it yeah. just like seemed like it exploded. But you said it's your knee's really good now. Yeah, it is. I, um, well, I haven't played in two years. Yeah. Um, so it just gave me a chance to rest the rest of my body. Because when I, when I got hurt, I was already hurt. I was right. already towards the end. And that was just kind of like the coup de gras. And, uh, you know, two years later, it's actually stronger than my left leg. And now I'm starting to feel better so I can play again. What are you, like 34? 34. 34. Four, thirty-five. I got. And you game. came into the, <laughs> you came into the league early though. I came in the league when I was nineteen years old. So you had a lot of miles on you, lot, yeah. at a young age. I had a lot of injuries, yeah, yeah. earlier, early in my career. So it was always like, you know, playing through injury, come back, play through injury, always injured, play through injury, and then you know, I, I really think like that last one, it was just like, all right, it's time for me to forget everything, <laughs> right? So, you know, and start over. But now your body feels good and you're having ideas. Yeah, I'm having a lot of ideas. I mean, I just want to play. I've been playing a lot of uh, pickup ball in L.A., been working out a lot. And I think for me it's just a matter of just getting back on the court, whether it's whether i got to start in the D League, whether I have to go overseas, you know, whether i got to start on a terrible team, come off the bench for a playoff team. It don't really matter to me. I just want to, at this point, just want to play and, like, walk off on my own terms. The way basketball has gone was exactly your style. Yeah. It was threes and getting yeah, to the rim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's all basketball is now yeah. and you were doing that, I missed that twelve years ago. Yeah. You're kind of ahead of your time. Way you, ahead. you missed your era. I did. I did. The, you know, playing against playing against the uh you know the bigger crew, the big you know, big defensive teams, they weren't allowing that to happen all the time. So, right. But now it's like, you know, now the times is a lot of pick and roll, a lot of uh, three point shooting and you know, it's uh, not a lot of plays and people setting up running plays, so it's a more free-flowing game, which is suitable for, you know, yeah. my game and what I've been trying to do my whole career. And it's a lot of... Yeah, it's a lot of up and down. When you were playing, everybody was... There's only a couple teams that were doing this. Everybody else was trying to yeah. slow it down, pack it in. Like. Right. Phoenix was the one who kind of, like, revolutionized it. Yeah. Uh, them in Dallas. And then, other than that, everybody else was just more so an ISO team. That played through one or two people, but oh seven Warriors were kind of dipped into yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we were, um, we were a team. I think that brought it back, you know, brought the speed of the game back up. You know, especially when we upset Dallas. Yeah, I think our speed and athleticism really start to show teams that you don't really need a, you know, a big power forward. That if you had, you know, some small forwards that were versatile, then you can push the tempo and win. What are you more jealous of, the the Warriors' resurgence or Harden, like, taking the beard thing to another level? Because uh, both of those things are on your corner. Yeah. Uh, neither. I'm neither? Not, All right. Neither. I mean, a Did you ever think you should have grown the beard out more? <laughs> no. Harden gets so much <laughs> no. attention for no, this. No, man. He gets a lot of attention for his beard. But his beard is crispy, though. You know, it's... It's yeah. nice and long, like kind of like a could you grow black Dracula or something. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't grow mine like that. Do you feel is that the Warriors? Obviously, would be the team you have the most kinship with, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, the fans, was, yeah, everything. That was the best time I had in my career. The best fans when I was at peace with my game, you know. Uh, so uh, not jealous, more so really happy because 
you know, those if any fans in the NBA deserve it, it's right. the Warriors fans for all that they set through. And now that they have, you know, superstar player Steph Curry and, you know, a really good roster, I want to see them do well. Real what well. was the money difference with, with Warriors and Clippers? Because uh, I'm sure I'm sure you didn't know what you were getting into with the Clippers. I did not. But it And was, you also it was thought big. that one was coming, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was big though. I think uh, you know, I just we had just come off of uh the playoffs and the upset and my contract was up for Your contract was up the next year, right? The 08? No, it was up for extension. Right. Oh, year. and they didn't do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh for some reason, uh when we won it kind of like instead of bringing the organization together, it divided the organization. Um, In the sense of upper management, what, what to do, what we should make, do. Yeah, yeah, who was going to do this? There were promises, and you know, it was just like kind of like um, it's like wrangling cats. You know, you yeah. have the owner, the general, you know, the GM say one thing, the team president said another thing, and uh, for me, it was just like, all right, man, like. If I'm not going to give my true value, you know, and and I was willing to take less because we had Monte, you know, Jack coming up. You know, I wanted to keep the team together. Yeah. And basically they offered me like. It was insulting. Very insulting. Right. And and basically when I what I signed for the Clippers was double than what the Warriors offered me. And you're coming home. And I'm coming home thinking, you know, I'm going to, you know, give me three years and I'll be able to do the same thing. For the Clippers that I did for the Warriors, because it was always like you get to a new city, you need three, you know, you need three years yeah. to really like fill everything out and get the right team and players around. So when you signed with the Clippers, you thought Elton was going to be there. Yeah, I thought you I made a whole there. kind yeah. of hey, oh, yeah. yeah, and then yeah, all come on he... down, like yeah, it was, it was, you know, for me, I thought that I was going to be able to play um, a different style of basketball where, you know, I would have an inside, pre- you know, a low post presence because yeah. that's what she kind of needed at that time. And, um, you know, I just really thought that Elton was going to be there. And, and looking at the roster and, you know, the veteran team they had, it was almost like they were similar to the Warriors as far as, like, you know, the talent and the opportunity to dominate. And for me, it was like, oh, this could be an easier move because I can, you know, play with another superstar who was averaging 20 and 10 at the time. And uh, when I got there... It, it was it just all it all crumbled before I even got there, but I was committed to you know I was committed to, uh, to really like hey man I, if I get three years here and I get the right team team around me I know I can do this and what better place to do it than your hometown so all my intentions were in the right place. Uh, but it seemed like it was you went from this Warriors situation yeah that was you had awesome fans yeah. Now you the come best. to the Clippers, everybody's got, like, Stockholm Syndrome and has no idea what's, you yeah, know, just kind yeah. of this sad crowd. Right. Um, you got a crazy owner. Super crazy, crazy owner. Super crazy. And you have a coach who's, like, the most powerful guy in the NBA, who's the GM, the coach, yeah. doing all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, was, it was a disaster. And no Elton. Yeah, it was a disaster, man. Because I was going to those games. The first year you were you were locked in. Mm-hmm. You could you could see you starting to kind of check out, yeah. As, as like you know, somewhere in the middle of the second year, where it was like, oh my god, like this isn't going to get better. Yeah. Um, Actually, I think did you second, feel that I way the, or the third year, year or something? Yeah, it was. It was. Was it the, the third year? year? The first year was. Uh, you know, I got there. We pl- uh, I remember playing in the preseason. We beat the Lakers the first game of the yeah. preseason, and everybody was like, oh my gosh, like. You know, we're going to have a nice team. And yeah. And then I remember breaking my finger 
and I came back yeah. earlier, like four weeks earlier than what I was supposed to. And it was on my uh, shooting hand. And from that point, it was like, oh, he's not in shape. And, oh, he can't make any shots. So that whole first year was like, you know, like really like a rude awakening because in the first the first 15 or 20 games of the season, we had like 10 or 15 new dudes. You yeah. know, they pretty much trade. You know, as soon as they got there, they traded everybody that I was supposed to play with. Right. So the whole year was just like you trying to figure out, like, damn, who's on the team, who's good. Right. And um, what happened was towards the end of the season, it was just like, I'd never been on a team where everyone quit. Everyone quit. The coaches, the team, everyone quit. And it was just like, um, it was Groundhog's Day, you know. Uh, and oh, so that, yeah, you're right. That was yeah. the first year because then that was the year that got them Blake. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, yeah, then, yeah. and then we wound up getting the first pick in, in Blake Griffin. So it was like a whole, you know, it's like, oh, you know, things are really hey, about to turn around. Out. Like, yeah, well, yeah, it turned out. And then uh, we go into the next season. And um, we're playing well in the preseason. We're not really winning games. And um, I remember Dunleavy coming to me and was like, yo, we got to win games in the preseason. And I was like, for what, dude? Like, we just need to be gelling and playing well because we were playing well. But, you know, he's playing other people on the team, trying to figure out his rotations. And I remember um, we hadn't won that many games. And I remember him coming to me like, yo, we got to win some games. And I was like... Coach, you know, coach, it's a preseason. Like, we're going to be all right when the season comes. Like, we're going to be all right. We're going to figure it out. Uh, you know, Blake Blake was just, Blake was a rookie, so he was, you know, he was young. We missed that first year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we played in New, the New Orleans game. We're up like 20-something. And then uh, they start coming back. And Dunleavy put me and Blake back in the game. And I think I, like, twisted my ankle and he messed his knee up. Uh. We spent a trade deadline together. Which I think was year two. 2009? That was the first year. No, it was, it was 2009. So that was your second year, right? It was the February 2009. Because I was trying to finish my oh, book yeah, at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you thought you were getting traded, possibly. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about it now. At uh-huh. the time, you had to be careful what you said. Right. But you were like, you couldn't stand Dunleavy. You were ready to go. Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, it was, um, you know, it was like, Basketball, for me, like I really found my outlet, yeah. you know, uh, in Golden State. I refound myself, and I was able to with Nelly. He was, uh, you know, as an artist, he he allowed me to paint, yeah, you know, and and uh, allowed me to make mistakes, but at the same time, coached me through mistakes, and you know, I you know, as a point guard, not really a lot of mistakes to be made. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, when I came to the Clippers, it was just like, yo, here's a book. And these are all the things that you're going to... Actually, you're not going to paint. You're yeah, just yeah. going to, like, follow, you know, these follow, these, follow these instructions. And when I got there, I was like, okay, cool. Like, maybe I need to learn all this. But, you know, when the game comes, you know, the game is the game. If I see if I see opportunity, I'm taking advantage of all opportunities, knowing that, you know, I've been doing this for over 10 years. Yeah. And uh, it was not the case. You know, I'd be running up and down. I'd be pushing the ball up the court, and Dunleavy would stop me to call a play. So, you know, at that point, it's like painting with handcuffs. It's like, here, you can paint this whole room, but, you know, don't go outside that line, you know what I mean, or wear these handcuffs. So, for me, playing for Dunleavy was really like, it was the most humbling experience in my life because I knew I had no allies. You know, I was at home, and I was like, you know, at the end of the day, I'd rather just be at home. 
Yeah. But it was just like all things against me. He had the ear of the owner. You know what I mean? He was the president, the GM, and the coach. And, you know, we weren't winning. So, you know, what better excuse than to, you know, stick the blame on the guy who's making the most money on the team. Right. And I think that from the, from the owner's standpoint, he felt that he, he had so much disdain because he had spent so much money. But he never got a chance to, like, he never sat down and talked to me. You know, it's like, I'm I remember, sure t- he, I remember sure you can have a conversation with, with him as a, no, he's such a strange no, guy, I'm not even yeah, sure. I told him, I said, hey, man, you, I said, uh, he was like, he came up to me. Uh, Sterling. Sterling, after one, uh, before one game, and he looked at me, and he was like, man, I'm so disappointed in you. He was like, I'm so disappointed in you. And I looked at him, and I was like, yeah, man, I'm disappointed in you, too. I said, I'm the highest person that, I'm the highest paid person in this organization, and you have yet one time to ask me a question about how I feel about this shit. Yeah. And so after that, you just, you just like, walked away and shook his head. And for me, it's like, how do you go out and win for somebody who, you know, thinks you're an idiot or thinks you're a bastard? Right. And a coach who done, uh, who done really putting you in a position to be successful. Right. It's like, yo, pass the ball to Chris Kamen because I want to prove to the owner that Chris Kamen is an all-star. Because he picked him over a bunch yeah, of people. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, in that year, that was the second year when Chris Kamen became an all-star, but it was, you know, pass the ball to Chris Kamen, so, you know, he can, you know, lead centers in scoring and field goal percentage. Right? I was going to those games. That wasn't my first choice for the offense. No. That's not, it should never be the first choice no. for the offense. All due respect, but... Yeah, that's why I mean, we were losing. Uh, so, Sterling... You could hear him grumbling at you sometimes, right, all during the time, games? All the time. I mean, it took everything in my power, man, not to throw the ball in that man's face. Or That would have been the best you know, moment of uh, any season. I always said that. I always said that. Just one time. <laughs> I always said that. But, you know, it was like, just, What would he say? What could you hear him say? It was, Like, for me, I was already the bad boy, you know, of the organization, and I was already <laughs> the scapegoat. So if I would have, you know, if I would have pegged him with the ball... Then I'd probably been kicked out the, you know, kicked out the league or. You could have done a, You could have had somebody stand by him. I was trying and to. Just... Yeah, I was trying to do that. I was thinking about every way that I could, man. I was thinking about diving it, you know, having some lose ball, the just, ball. Yeah. yeah, or just dribbling and like trying to go behind my back and throw the ball. You know, him or his wife, it wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> Get a two for one. <laughs> so you were waiting this whole Clippers time. For some loose ball to be rolling man, over so there, and you would take him out. Tackle him, man. Oh, that would have been great. Life. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what, what kind of stuff was he grumbling? Just like, ah, Bast- geez, you yeah, suck. Ba- no, you're a bastard. You're, uh, he would say you're a bastard? Yeah, you're a bastard. They, call, they used to call me the, uh, the demon child and the heathen. Um, him and his wife. Yeah. To, like, friend, you know, uh, well, people that that I was friends with that they would have at like dinners and different things like that so word would always get back to me cause, yeah, cause you know, you know, a lot I know of yeah, we know a lot of the same people yeah uh, what else did he call me an idiot an MF you know like why you know just MF yeah like, that yeah why are you shooting a ball you eh. or like stop shooting a, like you're, you can suck stop shooting a ball like oh for real Okay, I'll stop shooting. <laughs> Why didn't you say anything at the time? Why didn't you tell the press about it? I think that would have become a story. Because, to be honest, um, the way that they were running the organization was such a tight-knit, it was a tight-knit thing. And tight-knit, went, tight-knit would be a, a friendly way no, of but, saying Yeah, it. but think about they it. They like think three people are all jackasses. Been, this, this man has been like this for over 20 years. Yeah. So 
everybody in the PR department under his regime was really PR for him. Yeah. And it was a security well, they were blanket. Afraid of yeah. Him. It was a security blanket. So so as soon as I step out and, you know, say something, I'm sitting in there saying stuff like, you know, I didn't I didn't really hold back as far as like when we were talking about how much I didn't like him or didn't like the situation. It's just like, what do you, you know, I tell people, I was like, hey, man, like, it's hard to play for a dude like that when he's racist. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's like and it's not so much that he's a racist. He's a hate. Everybody is. You know what I yeah. mean? Like he hates everybody. You well, know. what's funny is that all the stuff that happened last year when it finally all the stuff came out, and I, I mean, I, I knew like eighty percent of what he was, oh, yeah. and then people were like, "Well, why were you getting season tickets every year if you knew this guy was mm-hmm. whatever?" And it's like, it's weird. You compartmentalize stuff, and yeah. I'm sure you were the same way. You're taking checks from the guy, but you knew he was a bad person. Yeah, it was tough. I'm sending man. checks to the guy, yeah. and I knew he was a bad yeah. person. Yeah. But I just love basketball, and right. it was my best chance to go see the other Absolutely. teams. So you don't think about it, yeah. and he's just sitting there at courtside, and you think like, "Oh, there's just that guy." The whole energy. Yeah, yeah he's trying to think about that guy. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, like it'd be days that I walk into practice and like, you know, having a good morning, and you see like one of you know the employees like bawling their eyes out, or yeah. you know, a lady just bawling their eyes out. It's like, what's What's wrong? It's like, oh, he cussed me out and he called me, you know, all kind of names. I was like, man, don't pay attention. You know, so, yeah. so like, my leadership had to, like, you know, I was handicapped because I had to, like, basically, like, I was the one person that was not going to stand for none of it. Yeah. And so when people saw that, it was almost like, oh, wow. Like, so they would come to me and, and, and it would become, you know, the conversation was never about, hey, let's come in the gym and win. It was like, yo, be careful because... It could be right. cameras around, and you know what I mean? Like, you know, so it was like, hang around him, don't. Don't. Hang around him, don't. He, re- he really did bring people in the locker room to, like, look at you guys. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because people Wait didn't believe that. Wait takes his clothes off. Right. <laughs> He's a star. Come meet my prized possession. He was, uh... What did... Because what did, Blake comes into the league. He's uh-huh. obviously going to be really good. You uh-huh. liked him. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Like, could you could you see him kind of be like, oh my god, this guy's so much worse than anybody yeah, prepared for, yeah, me for? I think for Blake, he was shell shocked because you know it's like his, it was his dream, you know, yeah. playing the NBA and um, you know to be around a dude like that. But you know, I give Blake a lot of credit. These young dudes a lot of credit. They paid no attention to it. You know, for me as a veteran, I had way too much going on in my life, and you know it affected me because man, I can't win for this dude who's like. You know, like, if, if if we win, he wins, you know? And it's like, well, if I don't play, he paying me. You know, it's, it, you know you're going through all that. And it's, and at the same time, in the back of your mind, you're like, damn, I should have stayed with the Warriors, dude. Right. I, you know what I mean? I should have stayed with it's the Warriors. It's not like they were doing good either. And they were doing terrible. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, that was slowly crumbling and falling apart. That third yeah, year. Th- that's when we started Live City. You yeah. Know, uh, we came back. Um, I thought you guys played really well together. We did. Yeah. We had a, we had a great time. Um, I was very surprised when they made that stupid trade. Yeah. Which was know. all financial, and then it ended up biting them in the butt because right, it ended up being Kyrie, Kyrie Irving. Irving. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what a terrible trade that was. Right. They didn't protect the pick, and then it was like, oh, we couldn't because it was like, well, right. then don't make the trade. Yeah. I it's think- not like you were playing bad. No, you know, we were actually playing good, and we were, you know, despite some injuries, we were playing so pretty they just good, and it was out. a lot of promise. Yeah, they wanted to get me out because, you know, they needed somebody to, like, they needed a scapegoat, and I think at the same time, they wanted Blake to grow, yeah. and they felt like, 
I don't know. They felt like I was standing in the way of his growth, which I didn't really think was an issue. I just felt like in that third year, um, you know, started out the year hurt, and then we playing with, like, six rookies. You know? Yeah. So, so it's like it's hard to win in this league when you have such a young team. But we had a lot of promise, and the Live City stuff started, you know, it started happening. Blake, DeAndre started getting, you know, getting their confidence. And, then, you know, it looked like we was going to do some good things. And then uh, – Vinny, ne- Vinny Del Negro was coaching, so, you know, it... it... Yeah, I remember those games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> did you think DeAndre ever had a chance to be as good Absolutely. as he's been this season? You Absolutely. did? Absolutely. I got to say, I'm a little surprised by it. I'm not I've surprised. been going to his game since his rookie year. Yeah. He, he was always... He could do certain things, mm-hmm. but I never saw the full, complete, oh, I get it, I yeah. should go here. Um, and now it seems like he's figured it out. Yeah, and, and, and you know, for big guys, it take a while for them to really learn and adjust mm. how to play that center position in the, in the pro game. But when he came in as a, as a rookie, he was the fastest dude. He jumped the highest, yeah. you know what I mean? And then when Blake came, he was, you know, the fastest dude and, and almost, you know, jumped just as high as Blake. And you can see that with DeAndre, it, it, it was more of a mental thing. You know, Dunleavy didn't give him a solid foundation. Yeah. You know, he, you know, as a as a rookie, you let a kid just spaz out, and you know, it's like you're not containing him and and, and really coaching him how to be great. Yeah. You know, uh, when Vinny Del Negro had him, you know, Vinny Del Negro didn't really know how to coach him either. It was just like you know, go do this, and you know, he well, didn't they would even run play plays him for him yeah. occasionally, yeah, and it's just like, to like on. yeah, just yeah. to kind of pacify him, and then you know. Once Chris Paul, once Chris Paul really came into the picture, it started to make DeAndre a be, you know a more respectable offensive player because his attack at the rim. But more importantly, I think DeAndre finally figured out you know hanging with Marcus Camby and, and learning from him yeah. helped him figure out you know how to become a smart defender. And like you know his his ultimate goal always was to be defensive player of the year. And I think when you have a kid like that, you just mold him into that. And it's and it's taken a you know a lot of credit to Doc Rivers, you know, in this whole new regime, it, it, it just shows you what a difference a great coach makes and, you know, great leadership. That was the best thing. Doc's made a lot of mistakes as the GM, mm-hmm. but I think the best thing he's done as the coach, when he took over the job, he just started building up DeAndre. Yeah. He's like, this guy's going to be a defensive player. Like, he just yeah. was like Bundini Brown, Ali yeah. with him. Yeah. And somebody, I think he needed that he as needed a player. That, he needed that, you know, wholeheartedly. You know, yeah, and there was there was no one that uh, in the in the organization that he could really connect to that could really show him how to one be a professional and two what it meant to really be on that level. It's like you know? my big three, DeAndre. Yeah. It's like and nobody when, was yeah, ever saying Doc, that. When Doc him. put him in the big three, that's that's exactly what he needed was some responsibility. You yeah, know? He, he, and I think for him, he finally felt like he earned the responsibility. So when you see him take the court now. You know, that's all confidence. Right. That's all confidence. What's the worst thing about going back home when you're an NBA player? Um, tickets. You know, tickets and trying to see everybody and, you know. It's people constantly, hey, man. Uh, it's just somehow, some way, somebody's going to, like, spring an extra four on you. You yeah. know what I mean? And, it, it, and you're like, damn, dude. Like, I have to get this person four tickets. Yeah. Like, I love this know, guy. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This person took me to school every day. If it yeah, wasn't yeah. us. It's the guilt factor when you go back home. So, you know, it's Would not, you it's, recommend it or would you not recommend it? I don't recommend it. Yeah. Because yeah, this is you, like a Durant. You, they should, yeah, they, if they love you, they should pay for a ticket. That's how I feel. Well, Durant, I think, is going to be in this situation in a year. And it, from 
everybody, the track record seems to be, it's actually, it's not that great to go home. It's actually better to be away from yeah, home. It's better to be away. Have a buffer. Yeah, yeah, because you can actually, like, it's, you know, it's your job. So when you, you know, when you're home, a lot of times your friends, they don't realize that, you know, basketball is a job. So, they, you know, yeah. it's just like. You're preparing to play yeah, and, and they're bad. And when you're home, you're running into people. You go to a grocery store, you run into your old high school teammate. You go yeah. to the restaurant, you run into their parents. You know, it's like uh, you walk in the streets, you run into your old doctor when you were a kid. It's just you never really get a break. Um, that's why I like playing in Golden State because it was just like it was a home for me. And yeah. I can, like, move around and the people were great. But I was only an hour away from, from L.A. What part of L.A. did you grow up in? I forget. South Central. And you did the uh, the documentary about the yeah. gangs. Crips and Bloods Made in America. It yeah. was excellent. Thank but you, you, you kind of always stayed connected with that part of L.A., which I don't think a lot of people do once they yeah. kind of graduate from that. Yeah, area. that's true. Uh, you know, but my, my story, um, my story always, like, th- those are my roots. You know, yeah. even going to Crossroads, it was... You know, when I was at Crossroads in seventh, eighth grade, if there was a semi-formal or a formal, I was I was always trying to bring a couple of my homeboys for the simple fact that, you know, if I was seeing this, they needed to see this. And certain ones needed to see it yeah. to know that, like, yo, like, we not boxed in in this area. You know what I mean? So once I turned pro, um, my mission was to always go back to the neighborhood and do something for a kid like me, like find the next BD or, you know, help, you know, someone like my sister, you know. Yeah. And so for me, you know, just being a, being a part of that community and never forgetting that is it, something that, you know, I want to stay involved in. I think the Hollywood thing is great and being on this side of town with all the corporate. But, you know, for me, it's like I want to be a bridge from, you know, from the inner city to the suburbs. And, you know, I think both kids need each other to see both perspectives in life. A lot of NBA players from L.A. now, I, like Magic and Jalen think Michigan would kick anybody else's butt. They're crazy. They're crazy. They're crazy. And, you got two MVP uh, And then candidates. there's New York, and it's like, but I feel like nobody's just if you go downtown LA. L.A., yeah, it's like, nobody, hey, it's yeah. going to be pretty good. Yeah, nobody's touching L.A. Who, I mean, who do we have now? Because Harden, Harden's from there. Westbrook, Tyson Chandler. That's pretty nice right uh, there. That's a nice. You could choose. Nice you could be in the corner for space. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can yeah. Like, throw the ball ahead. You know, yeah, throw yeah. the ball ahead to these dudes. <laughs> uh, you got Amir Johnson, Demar Derozan. Amir Johnson, dirty work. Yeah, Demar yeah. Derozan yeah. coming yeah. off the bench. Yeah, we got some. Brandon, is Brandon, Brandon Jennings? Jennings? Yeah. yeah, Brandon Jennings got a, a good point guard. Drew Holiday. Oh yeah, um, you get all the holidays. Yeah, Darren Collison. A lot of point guards. Yeah, a lot of yeah. Point, There's a mythology know. about the New York point guards, but that, that's kind of cranked yeah, out a lot of point that's guards. That's kind of coming past, I think, yeah. for New York. Uh, you know, New York got to catch another wave of young point guards. But um, you're a Drew League guy too, right? I'm a Drew League guy. Yeah, Aaron Aflalo. CJ Kobe over there. He loves the Drew League more than he loves oh, his yeah, son. Yeah, <laughs> his son Drew League. It's his single favorite thing yeah. in the world. I'm directing the documentary on I the Drew. Yeah, yeah. The Drew is like you know he's, he's going to see it. I bet. Awesome. Right. He's gonna buy, he bought it right now. Awesome. We need him to, man. When's that coming out? Uh, we haven't set a date, but it's looking like uh, middle of the summer. And what's it about? What's the angle? Basically, it's the uh, 40-year history oh. of the Drew, and it, it, it just talks about the social economics of a, of a little engine that could yeah. in the middle of this gang-infested neighborhood. Yeah. So, you know, it's showing the positive, the positivity of 
what a community could do, what brotherhood in the community can do to protect the safe haven. And then when you protect something like that, what spews out of it, you know, if you stay patient. How many Drew League tournaments have you been in? I started Over playing 10? in Drew when I was 13. That was my first time. 13? Yeah. yeah. I, my high school coach was uh, playing in the Drew, and he was like, yo, I'm about to pick you up and take you somewhere. So I was like, all right. And we were driving down the street. I was like, yo, where are you going? It's nighttime. Like, he was like, man, we're going to Drew. I was like, man, you ain't taking me in here. <laughs> you crazy? Yeah. You crazy? We're going to get shot. <laughs> and then I walk in, and it's, it, was a, it was an adult league. And I think the team had six players, and they were like, yo, put on a jersey. And so I put on a jersey, and they put me in the game. And I remember, like, I turned the ball over twice. I'm 13 years old. And literally, like, the other, everyone except my high school coach was, like, cussing me out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, get him off the court. And then he was like, man, chill out. He only 13 years old. It was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Pass me the ball. Just pass me the ball. Yeah. You know what I mean? But uh, from 13 on, I was just Where did they year, have it back then? At Drew Middle School, so it was but now like, it's it was, now it's like out. It's like no, no, no. It's in it's in Compton. It's still I it's still in Compton. Yeah. Did they go to like never. Ontario or nah, something? No, never, never. Oh. Drew's never leaving. It's the always at the same thing. Yeah. So that's All the right. story. Is like you know a lot of a lot of summer leagues. And a lot of people, when they get success, they leave. You know, and, I don't and know how I've never been to this yet. You need to come. I really do. Yeah, yeah. He was trying to drag me a couple of years you know, it's, ago. It's a, it's a great community thing. It's, it's when you see it, you're like, this can't be possible yeah. to be happening in this area. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people that I bring in town, they're like, oh, my God, like there's like positive black families. <laughs> and like, yeah. You know, you, know, it, it, and, you know, it's like blacks and Mexicans and whites and Asians. And it's like, you know, it's just a hodgepodge, but it's more so just basketball fans. It's just the beauty of basketball and the purity of basketball in the community and all these different people supporting it, you know, for various different reasons, you know. When uh, Did you ever come close? Did the gangs ever try to recruit you or anything like that always, when you were little? Always, always. There was no hands-off because they knew you were good at hoops? Uh, no, I was, you know, it was always, I was always on the court. Yeah. But I used to go when I was little and dribble around the neighborhood and wake all the gangbangers up <laughs> so we can play some five-on-five. Five. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I was all, either that or I'd be playing on the court by myself. So I used to wake up all the, you know, the gang members or they'd be going to do what they're doing. Like, hey, man, come on, let's play a game. So I was always that kid who always wanted to get everybody to play or p- play pickup baseball or different things like that. But they were always, like, more like, you know, like my friends than... yeah. Like oh yeah, I'm about to join a gang and like it was it was not it was never that for me. You know, I had a lot of people that I grew up with, a lot of people in my family that experienced that. So I was young enough to see all the things that was happening. And for me, it's just I, I never wanted to embarrass my grandmother. Yeah. So I just never went that route because it was just it was that was like always the easiest thing to do. Would what, what did they that whole community think of your documentary when you did it? Um, they love it. You know. Um, you know, I, even you know some of the some of the pros who played overseas. We've been screening it, you know, just for the local people. And oh, no, I meant the the gang documentary. Oh, what did the gang when members you, think? What was that like five five, five years, years ago? ago? They, they, they what loved was the it. response? They loved it because it gave them an opportunity to voice, you know, like who they are, and and for people okay. to see that they're real people. It's just you know, there's really no you know, it's a lack of opportunity. Yeah. And the reason why I wanted to do that movie was to really give them an opportunity to talk about, like, what's actually happening, you know, in these neighborhoods that is causing them to 
go the other way. And once you give them, you know, an outlet like that, just people want to be heard, man. And it's it's incredible how that whole rivalry started. Yeah. If it was like over, I, I don't remember, but you, you <laughs> did it in the documentary, but it was like some fairly innocent yeah, thing. It was, yeah. And then it snowballed, it snowballed and yeah. turned into com- something completely different right. than what it, what it was. Yeah, it was just, you know, it was just like the, it was a divide. It was like yeah. a stupid divide. Maybe needed a catalyst. Yeah. 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 And, that's, and that's what it was. Once the city got broken up like that and everybody went off into their own pockets, and it was just, it was hard to like bring everything back together. Do you think it's, better now than it was 20 years ago? Um, I think it's fixable now. Yeah. I think it's fixable more so than it was 20 years ago because, you know, a lot of these kids through social media and, you know, just through media, digital media, are allowed to, to, to venture outside of their world and have access. Right. So where, there's a bigger yeah, world out there than just where, where they are. Yeah. 20 yeah. years ago when I was growing up in it, like, you had to literally have a car and go somewhere and have an experience to enlighten you to be like, yo, I can make it out and have multiple opportunities to do that. Now it's like, you know, it's handheld. So, you know, you can be anyone you want or, or have access to people that, that you, you admire. Doesn't it help that so many guys have now come out of that neighborhood and done something? Yeah. I mean, like you got Harden and Westbrook are two of the three MVP candidates right, right now came out of that part of L.A., yeah. you know? It's inspi- you know, it's inspiring for the youth. Um, and for the community to know, like, if we, you know, if, if we keep these kids off the street and, and keep them active, you know, there are opportunities for, you know, success, a lot of success stories. Yeah. And for those success stories to come back and to create more and more opportunities. I mean, that was my whole goal when I wanted to walk away from the game. It was like, okay, yeah, Hall of Fame, yeah, NBA championship, yeah, all, multiple All-Stars, yeah. But most importantly, it was like, I need to open this up for L.A. because it's a lot of kids that if they watch me, they know where I come from. They know, you know, they kind of know what I represent. Then, you know, they can see a successful side of things and just, you know, continue to, like, have camps and, and, and support these kids, the next generation, so they can take L.A. to a whole different place. Let's go speed round. Best player you ever played against? Uh, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, was that Bulls? Michael Jordan Michael or Wizards? Jordan, Washington. <laughs> Come on, he couldn't have been the best. Who is the best you were on the, like, the, the highest best, level best. you're on okay. the court with? Um, I would probably say Kobe and Tim Duncan. Why doesn't Tim Duncan get more credit? I in that don't rivalry? know, dude. I don't know. I don't know. He's phenomenal. You would have thought five rings would have made yeah, him his cause. To me, he's in my top five for sure. Who else in the top five? Larry Bird, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Smart. Michael Jordan. Tim Duncan. And, yeah, Tim Duncan. Kobe? And then either Kobe, Magic, or LeBron. Take your pick. Interesting. Kobe, Magic, or LeBron? LeBron um, or Magic, really. I mean, you got Mike at the two. Best point guard you ever played against? The best point guard I ever played against was... I mean, damn, dude. Gary Payton, Jason Kidd, John Stockton. You can't list dudes. Pick one. Give me, there give me is the best no best. There, was, like, there had to have been one dude where you were like, oh, crap, this guy. I hate going against this guy. Because, like, Nash said it was you for him. He hated playing you because it, it was like playing. He said it felt like trying to tackle a running back. <laughs> you just abuse, you just abuse his body. Up there. And he would feel sore the next day. I would probably say 
The only person that I was really like super, super nervous about playing was John Stockton. Really? Yeah. Because he was dirty? Because he'd kick my ass, dude. Because he just like, <laughs> he would just kick your ass. Like was- you look, anytime that you take your eye off the ball or your eye off the play, you are screwed. Right. Seriously, like screwed. If you're dribbling the ball and you look to call a play, the ball was gone. If you pass the ball and you're not paying attention, he'll steal the pass. Like right. he was it. He, he he was he was like really really annoying to play. Well, he was so good. Like I couldn't understand like how I couldn't keep him below. Like he would get below the free throw line. He made the game so easy. That's why I thought that, you know, he was great because he just like he made the game so easy. Gary Payton and and Jason Kidd they were more my size. Yeah. So it was you know it was it was more of a battle. You know it was more of a battle. They were. They were older, stronger, more wiser. That's but Oakland versus L.A. Too. Yeah, it's yeah. a nice little secret rivalry. Yeah. Um, best teammate you ever had? Best teammate I've ever fa- had. I should say favorite teammate you've ever had. My favorite teammate would probably be Monte Ellis. Really? Yeah. I'm shocked by that one. Yeah. I've heard conflicting reports about him. Nah, he's a great kid, man. Yeah? He's a great kid. He came in, you know, out of high school, and so... For me, he was like my little brother. Yeah. And, you know. You guys were great together. Yeah. yeah. And very similar to the way that I grew up. Yeah. You know, he grew up, so we used to share a lot of those experiences. What was and he, like, uh, Memphis or somewhere? Mississippi. Mississippi, Mississippi that's what Yeah, saying. Mississippi Bullet. Yeah. Uh, and we used to share a lot of things, but people didn't understand. Like, he had such a bad rap because of, like, what people looked and saw. You know, yeah. and, and what I looked and saw, I was like, man, this dude is just a kid. Like, he don't really know anything. He's trying to be a lot of different things, you know, and, that, yeah. and I think a lot of people get caught up in that. But he always knew who he was. So at the core of it all, like, he reverted back to his true essence. And that's why I respect him so much. And he's just like a kid with, like, he, you know, he got the biggest heart. It's not fake. Is you know, he's a family man. He's just a real, he's a real good dude, man. He's been through a lot. He's been through a lot, and he has a lot of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's just someone that I learned from. So I would probably say, like, he was my favorite teammate. Who's the funniest teammate you ever had? The funniest teammate, I would have to say either uh, Steve ja- Steven Jackson. Uh, oh, you played, I forgot you yeah, played with Captain played, Jack. Yeah, Steven Jackson, Eldon Campbell. Wait, hold on, just stop. Give me your best Steven Jackson story. My best Steven Jackson story. And then I'll give you mine. <laughs> I gave you my best Steven Jackson story. I guess him and Nelly got into it. What? Yeah, they were like... I thought oh, that yeah. happened like once a week. Yeah, it was like once a week. I mean, with Nelly, he would pick on everybody. Yeah. You know? He just liked to get under your skin. So I guess he... Uh, I forgot what it was. It was just like, you know, Jack, you, you know, it was just like, Jack, you, you, you hogging a ball. You run into the wing all the time. I need you to run to the corner. Yeah. You know? And Jack was like, what? Like... Nelly, I'm averaging 20 points. What are you yeah. talking about? He was like, yeah, but you kind of like, you know, disrupting the offense. Everybody was like, all right, Nelly, whatever. We play Washington, and he ran to the corner for the first half of the game every time down the court. We were getting our ass kicked. And I was like, yo, Jack, come on. I was like, Jack, I'm going to throw you the ball. He was like, you're going to throw me the ball. My hand's going to be right here. So he run down the court with his hands on his side and stand in the corner for the whole first half. So I was like, yo, I, I, I have to. I'm like, Jack, man, it ain't about coach. You know what I mean? It's just about, like, 
you know, that's about us, the team. We love you, man. Like, come on, Jack. Like, I need you. Then he goes out in the second half and have, like, 26, 28 points. <laughs> but he, like, wanted to make a point that, yo, all right, Nelly, you want to be like this? And I run to the corner. You want me to run to the corner? He's the run. best. He played the whole first half, and he ran to the corner and never touched the ball. And he just stood he stood in the corner. Like we had this guy, Jonathan Abrams, working on an oral history uh-huh. of uh, the Artest Melee. Uh-huh. Who's, well, he's one of our best feature writers. And he really wanted to talk to Jackson. And we were nervous about it because, like, how are we going to get time with him? Uh-huh. We put in the thing. And the lady's like, I don't know, but, you know, just show up for the game and maybe he'll talk. She, he shows up for the game and, and Jackson is like, I've been waiting to talk about this for eight years. <laughs> he pulls him in the shower and talks to him for an hour. He's been dying for anybody to ask him about it. He's just been sitting there with all these stories. Uh, he has no filter, I love man. that guy. He's What's so he doing great. now? He's rapping and, uh, you know, doing some business stuff. Where's he living? Stuff. Houston. Houston, Houston and Atlanta. Yeah. He's good, though. He's a good dude. Where, where are you based now? L.A. I'd love to do a three-man something with you and Captain Jack. Let's do it. Do, do like, uh, some sort of NBA awards for the... Is he following the NBA still? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel we like he has a whole TV destiny Man, that he he's does, not realizing. I keep telling him that. We, I, I told him we should be re- producing his reality TV show. Yeah, I don't think anybody was like... Yeah, I've had enough Steven Jackson in no, my you, life. You know, I, I need, need a little more. bit more. Yeah. I would sign up for five yeah, more for years sure. right now. I would sign up for five seasons of, of the Steven Jackson show, for sure. That team... That uh, that Warriors team was that way was up fun. there in the character scale. Yeah, that was, it really you know was. You know, uh, Nelly told us. Nelly walked in the locker room and was like, "All right, guys, this <coughs> is it. I'm gonna start shutting you guys down, Baron. You're already injured. Yeah. You know, I'm just gonna start playing these young guys. Like this season is over. You know, like we'll reconvene next year. It was good to have these new guys. We know what type of talent we have. Yeah. You know, we'll just get ready for the next year. And when he walked out the room. I was like, dude, no, like, who cares? Like, whatever yeah. happens, like, we have nothing to lose at this point, guys. We have all the talent in the world. You got Jason Richardson, who can score 40 at any moment. You got Al Harrington, who can score 40 at any moment. You got Monte and Jack, who scored 30 at any moment. I was like, dude, we should be trying to average, like, 150 points. Yeah. And then we went out and made that run. We won, like, 20-something out of 25 games or something like that. How long did you know Pierce for? I've been knowing Paul since I was 10 years old. 10 years old. Isn't that yeah, crazy? When he was a, a fat, chubby kid at the Inglewood Y, he used to always run up to people and be like, "Hey, dog, good game. Good. Hey, let me have a bite. Of, let me have a bite of your burger. Like, hey, dog, good game. Like, let me get some fries. Like, he was, he was like that. That's my guy. Did he still have the old man's old man offensive game? Yeah, he's been like the. Little, uh, he's had the same. Jerky. He's had the same skill and yeah. fundamental game since he was like ten, eleven. I love that guy. I always see. I, you used to you get guys so were mad. close yeah. through the NBA, right? Yeah. You were still buddies. And, yeah, our coaches yeah. would get mad because they'd be like, "Oh, he's so lazy," but it was just like yeah. how he moved, and he used to yeah, he used to play the four and the center for us. Oh, really? Hey, you basketball? Yeah, when we were young. And then when he got to high school, he just like... Wait, so who's on that own. AAU team? You and Pierce? Anybody else I know? Uh, no, nobody else. Paul Pierce and Barrett Davis on the same AAU yeah, team. Yeah, and... The funny thing is he's now the right age for the game that he's had all along. <laughs> <laughs> he finally aged into it. <laughs> like buy one. Right? right, so listen. You got to work on Steven Jackson. Done. We got to get him to we'll L.A. And yeah, we got to yeah. do some sort of something. We'll do it. That's I easy. love that guy. He's It'll great, be fun. Yeah, he's great. He'll, he'll be nice and loose if you're there, too. It'll yeah, be good. He's ready to do it. All right, cool. <laughs> um, oh, we should mention your Yahoo show, right? Yeah, uh, Sin City Saints. Um, 
premiere in March 23rd. By, with, uh, done oh, by yeah. Mike Tolan, the guy Mike I shared Tolan. Clipper yeah, season yeah, tickets yeah. with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike Tolan's a good guy. It's a fake basketball team set in Vegas. It's a, yeah, team set in, set in Vegas. It's yep. a uh, comedy just based around the organization. And the and you're on a panel this week. And I'm on a panel weekend. for Funny or Die. And your Drew League documentary is coming Julie out. Documentary and you're on NBA Series every Indie once Go-Go in a while. Indiegogo campaign. I think we have like a uh, few days left, okay. six days left, uh, trying to get to that $100,000 mark to finish this film. Nice. We're Good at luck. about 70, 80 or something like that. So Back with more from uh, South by Southwest. Thanks to Baron Davis. Thanks. We'll see him with Captain Jack at some point. Target the Whoa. Thank you for downloading the BS Report with Bill Simmons. Too much fun. Check out more podcasts at the iTunes Music Store or at PodCenter at ESPNRadio.com. Peace out.